The college football playoff is going to give its media rights to ESPN, and they've answered none of the questions that we would actually like to know. You are locked on college football, your daily podcast on all things college football, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On College Football. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view every day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the biggest stories in the greatest sport on planet Earth, transfer portal, realignment, coaching carousel, and more. We've got it all right here. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. We'll talk the playoff deal announcement with ESPN and nobody else. The Pac-12 is making moves and Louisville. How about Louisville's win total? I did a little flip-flop on that as I dove into it. We'll talk about that on today's show, but nothing got answered with this particular announcement except how much the deal is worth. So ESPN has agreed to an extension of the college football playoff arrangement, which runs for 2024 and 2025, and now for the six years after that. For $7.8 billion in total, that's how much ESPN is going to pay the playoff so that they can broadcast the games and sell advertising spots. Now we all understand, as if we didn't before, how this money cycle works. But that number in and of itself is not something anyone cares about because Here's what we don't know, what the revenue distribution is going to look like and how the playoff is actually going to be structured. So this announcement came down and it sounded, you know, perhaps from afar, oh, we've got the answers. Oh, well, we know Well, we've got it locked in. No, the only thing we know is what was pretty plain and obvious that someone is going to be broadcasting the college football playoff. And it appears, I'll touch on this more in a couple minutes, that ESPN is the only place where you're going to broadcast the games. I don't think that's entirely a good thing. But the two aspects of the college football playoffs new deal that we actually want to know that are actually relevant to you, the fans, because the amount of money that it's worth to the networks and everybody, well, that doesn't actually affect you in any way, shape, or form. But we don't know what the playoff model is actually going to be. Because right now what they have is a 12-team format for the next two years that's got six auto bids to conference champions and six at-large bids. They're trying to change that. They haven't changed it yet. They've indicated they're going to, but that hasn't you know fully taken place just yet. But we don't know whether or not those auto bids are going to continue in the future. I have no idea what the timeline is as for when they are going to negotiate such matters. My guess would be soon because this deal has been announced, but it hasn't actually been signed and agreed to. The the board or the committees or presidents, what you know, people who are involved in making decisions in college football, they still have to ratify this deal because they still have to iron out these details. So we don't know what the deal is going to look like or how the money gets distributed because right now what you have is a model in which 80% of the revenue from the college football playoff goes to the power four conferences. The Pac-12 would like that to continue because it's just two teams, Oregon State and Washington State out there. They're going to lobby for that to continue. They will be treated as a power five school. Each of them will be the Beavs and Cougs for the next two years. Will they get it for the six years after that? We, 
We don't know. That's kind of a big question because it pertains to how much money goes into athletic departments that are suddenly going to be cash strapped and are also, speaking of media rights, looking for a way to broadcast their home football games in 2024, of which there are several. And right now the answer is, hmm. So that's the first thing or the second thing, I suppose. But those two elements are really the key components because how you're going to be able to get into the playoff and then where the money actually goes those are the key factors because the other 20% goes primarily to the group of five schools and then a little bit to the FCS. And so if you're a member of a power conference, you get 6 million, somewhere in the five, $6 million range. If you're in the group of five, you get $1 million. Well, when you're Oregon State and Washington State and you've been left behind in, in this whole realignment mess and your athletic department overall operating budget after a couple of years, because they got a war chest from the departing 10 pack schools. After that, your, your, your athletic department revenue is going to take a hit and $5 million. Yeah, that that's, that's a rather significant gap. So how they are treated, how they are viewed, that matters a great deal. And Washington state's Kirk Schultz is navigating himself to try and set up the beeves and cougs to, to be successful in as great a fashion as they can. So, those things have to be figured out, and those are rather important details. But I want to come back to the auto bids because, look, I'm not a fan of automatic bids. If you're a conference champion of one of the Power Four leagues, there is a high probability that you're going to be one of the top 12 teams. In the off chance that a team pulls an upset, think about this. If you have an 8-4 and four team, now this hasn't happened recently to my memory i'd have to perhaps go back into the archives to find an example but the talent is continuing to disperse in college football via the transfer portal what if you have an eight and four team beating 11 and one or a 10 and two in the conference title game are you telling me nine and four automatically gets you in is that going to happen now we're starting to do away with division so is that going to come about Perhaps not. Maybe I'm just being too traditionalist and thinking, hey, losses should really mean something in college football. They mean a whole lot, a whole heck of a lot less now in the 12 team era than they did in the four team era or in the two team era in the BCS. I'd rather go back to the BCS than have the 12 team playoff, but here we are. So that is a curious, curious element of this entire thing. And those are the two things we're still waiting for revenue distribution, and the actual structure of the playoff. But we know there's going to be a television deal, and it's all with ESPN. I think that is a mistake. I think that is a mistake. And uh, former Fox Sports president Bob Thompson, who's come on the show before, was speaking on X, formerly known as Twitter, that $1.3 billion per year, which is a decent amount of money, he thought it felt a little bit light and was wondering if that wasn't because there weren't other bidders. When you are the clear number two sport in America to the NFL, it's the NFL, a gap between everybody else, but college football is solidly number two. I have a hard time believing that there was only one network that wanted in on them. And so the reason that I think ESPN having all the playoff games is a mistake is because that could result in some of the games being potentially on ESPN+. Plus. And I don't like the look that that presents whatsoever. If you're going to have all of these playoff games, if you're going to highlight campus environments, 
it should not be put behind a paywall. And on three reported that, you know, some of the earlier round games or maybe lower tier, lower caliber games could be, you know, on streaming services if they get subleased. I'm not a fan of that. I, I want widespread access to these games because I don't want the fans of any particular fan base that get into the playoff to then have to go to a streaming entity there. I think streaming is making its way. It is encroaching upon Linear's dominance of, of television and sports in general. But I, I think that would be a pretty big optical mistake if it kind of felt like you were hiding some games or, you know, you just have fans getting all sorts of uh, upset and administrations, whatnot, like, wait, they get to be on ESPN, but we're just on ESPN plus. I don't like the look of that. The, the idea of subleasing games to Fox, I think makes a lot of sense. Not just because I think Joel Klatt should be calling as many college football games as possible. And, and, and Joel Klatt as an analyst is just he and Herb Street, man, top of the top. Best of the best, creme de la creme. Those two guys, absolute studs. And it would be strange to have a 12-team playoff and have all of these games, something that Klatt has advocated for for a long time. I disagree, but that's okay. Reasonable people can disagree. And not have him call any of those games, it'd be weird. It'd be weird. And it's not as if it's unprecedented for playoffs to be structured across multiple networks. Major League Baseball playoffs are, NBA playoffs are, NFL. I mean, they're all over the place. I I want the games to be easy to access for as many people as possible. That's why I think having just the one partner there, I hope they end up subleasing some games out. But that, that that's not a guarantee to happen right now. But that's something that, that, that could still get ironed out uh, in the details of all this stuff. But... Let me know what you think. Drop your thoughts in the YouTube comment section or hit me up on X at S. McLaughlin CFB or at Locked On underscore CFB. The Pac-12 is making moves. As I said, they would. Have you made a move over to Game Time yet? If not, you should. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. Right now, all users get $100 off when you buy a big game ticket with code VEGAS100 with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You buy tickets in seconds, in seconds with just two taps. And you get all-in prices to show your total up front, so you know you're getting a great deal before you check out. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Right now, all Game Time users get $100 off a big game ticket with code VEGAS100. Terms apply. Just download the Game Time app, use code VEGAS100 for $100 off a big game ticket. Or if you're not going to the game, use code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price. Guaranteed. The Pac-12 is making moves. You think of it as a dead defunct conference. It's not. It is in the colloquial sense, but in the logistical legal sense, no very much not the case. So the Pac-12 is reportedly going to move on from Commissioner George Klyovkov, his uh, associate number two, right-hand man, it's a woman, but you understand the expression, is reportedly the top target to replace him as commissioner. 
that that would be a strange move for a league that is supposedly going to just give up. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not going to give up. This has been clear for a while. They are going to utilize the NCAA's two-year grace period to rebuild to eight or more teams, and they are going to make realignment moves. This is going to happen. This is going to take place. The timeline, probably within the next year, would be my guess. Because the end of 2026, when this new playoff deal kicks in for a six-year stretch and whether or not they're you know considered a power five conference which is what they would like to be and i'll get to that more in just a second 2026 is when the mountain west media deal ends it's when their temporary affiliation for non-revenue sports with the west coast conference ends and it's when the new college football playoff deal begins the pac-12 is moving george klyovkov out of the way that, that that's what the reporting is those are the indications now, another fascinating component here is that Washington State President Kurt Schultz has been positioning the Pac-2, 12, whatever you want to call them, it's still technically the Pac-12, to make some sort of move. Whether that's a reverse merger with the Mountain West, in which that league dissolves and plays under the Pac-12 banner, or you go on the aggressive, which is what I've advocated for, because it's a dog-eat-dog world out there, you're either the hunter or the hunted, and they've been the hunted so far through no fault of their own. They should go get the best of the Mountain West, the best of the American, form the premier group of five conference in all of college football. Now, Kurt Schultz, Washington State president, who has been putting the, the college football playoff committee in a little bit of a bind because he's putting his foot down and saying, nope, I basically have a veto vote here because you want to go to a five plus seven format for 2024. And I'm going to hold that up until you give us assurances. And guess what? I think he's doing the right thing because he is representing the interests of the Pac-12, which is just Oregon State and Washington State. And so far, he seems to be moving in a direction in which he's getting the things that those two schools want and need. So for the next two years, they are guaranteed to get a power five share of the college football playoff revenue. That would be five to six million dollars a year. They want guarantees that that will continue under the new deal as well, which is worth more money than the old deal. And if he's able to get that concession, then he'll probably come back and say, all right, I'll give you five plus seven for, for 2024. And so what, what's also fascinating here is his opposition or his anti-vote towards the five plus seven model has really just been in relation to him trying to flex his muscle and get the beeves and coos the best deal possible in the best financial situation possible. And he wants the conference to continue to be treated as a power five league. Now by the conference, I presume he only means Oregon State and Washington State because his argument is we've been at the power five level for this long just because musical chairs was being played and we weren't able to find seats doesn't mean we weren't capable of playing at that level, which I agree with, by the way. If the rest of the college football world and the power players of the B see it in the same light, then guess what? He will have played his hand pretty brilliantly. He then spoke positively about the 5 plus 7 model, saying that he believes it is beneficial for them to move to that model one day anyway. That's not necessarily true if you're rebuilding the Pac-12, but it certainly can be. Because if you've got seven at-large spots available instead of, instead of six, 
I suspect that one of those spots is going to go to the Big Ten of the SEC. They, they are poised with the depth of teams and coaches and investment that those programs have got. They're poised to dominate this thing. And the ACC and the Big 12 will just be fighting to be multi-bid leagues. But I suspect that every year, more not every year, more often than not, the ACC and the Big 12 are going to get as many teams into the playoff each as the group of five, which is one. I think the Big 12 is a one-bid league this year. The ACC, most likely, not quite as likely, but most likely a one-bid league in 2024. So when you look at a 5 plus 7 model, the reason that Kirk Schultz suddenly speaking in a positive light about it makes me want to triple down on my take that the Pac-12 is going to be rebuilt one day is he's looking at that 5, which is carved out for a group of five team. If you have the best group of five conference, which is what the Pac-12 can be, then your conference champion is going to have an excellent chance to get into the league every year. Because the Mountain West would then be weakened or dissolved at that point in time. The American Conference would take a significant blow. I don't think they would take enough teams out of it to where the American would completely break apart. And they would get some exit fees and have money to try to, you know, facilitate the entrance of other teams. But it would certainly take a hit. Your next best league that you would go up against for that highest ranked group of five conference champion is the Sun Belt or Conference USA. Well, Conference USA was recently gutted by the Americans, so it's a little bit weaker. Liberty got the bid over SMU this year. Not everybody agreed with that move. But if you take the best teams out of the American and the best teams out of the Mountain West, you're just removing the competition. And you're saying, well, our conference champion is going to be higher rated than their conference champion. So, you know, there, there was a point of irony that I just have to bring up because Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, said, we need to go to a five plus seven model. You know, it's the right thing to do in relation to Kirk Schultz holding this up. The right, the right thing to do? The right thing to do? Are we going to talk about... Are we going to talk about the right thing to do in college sports, Jim? Ah, uh, Jim. Um, uh, Tony Romo. But I, I, I just, I look at the way this is playing out. The stars are aligning for this to all make sense. Now, the roadblock that Kirk Schultz and company might run into is if they go to the, the, the CFP committee and say, we want the Pac-12 to continue to be viewed as a Power 5 league, and their plans, which, you know, their best plan would be, of course, to rebuild it with primarily group of five teams, that might not fly. Because SMU currently, BYU, UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati caught a break getting to the Big 12 a year before a team like SMU made the jump because the college football playoff committee is not keen on doling out money at power five revenue shares. Because SMU has reached a compromise and they're going to get like half of a deal or part of a share, but not a full share. If you have, let's say, eight new teams to make a 10-team Pac-12 conference, four from the American, four from the Mountain West, if, if that transpires, what evidence do we have to think that the college football playoff committee would give them full shares? Maybe they wouldn't need full shares. Maybe, maybe they, wouldn't, they wouldn't want that, but... The deal that Schultz is trying to set up here would be nullified if the Pac-12 were were to dissolve. But if it stays together, I have a hard time believing that a conference made up of eight teams or more that were just at the group of five level 
are going to get the respect and financial backing that one team, SMU, is failing to get right now. So that's the potent, only potential hiccup that that I see in, in this particular plan for the Pac-12 to get back to where they want to be, or to get to where they want to be, not back to where they want to be. That's never going to happen, of course. But, you know, it, your Schultz's point is we shouldn't be penalized just because, uh, you know, we're being left behind and we've got the history and proven we should be Power 5. I agree with that. But you can't make that same case for whatever schools you hypothetically add to your league one day. So I wonder how this all plays out. But Schultz is seen, you know, as an interesting character in this this whole sort of discussion and debate and ongoing conversations and whatnot. But he spoke about there being some actual goodwill uh, amongst everybody that is involved and that they've kind of understood, okay, he's just holding up this vote to go to five plus seven because he, you know, wants to figure out the legal situation financially and get this deal and everything like that. But I think there's an understanding on both sides as well. That's the indications what the reportings, what the reporting on all this dictates is that they're they're starting to get a little antsy of like, okay, but now that we've got the deal here, we need to get this stuff set in stone and we need to finalize it. So let's go. I expect this to continue to get resolved. We'll, of course, continue covering it on the show. If you've got questions, drop them in the YouTube comments or hit me up on X, formerly known as Twitter. Louisville, big win total. Take the over. Why? I'll tell you why. After I tell you why, you should go to FanDuel. Of course, get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. That's it. Whether it's money line bet that is obvious or not, you can get 115 bonus bets. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on and shoot your shot. You can also bet everything you could ever want over in the college football world when you join FanDuel as well. Over-unders, Heisman National Championship, there are even live game bets for matchups that'll take place in the 2024 season. Can't wait! Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Go shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. You know, it's been over a decade since Louisville has strung together back-to-back 10-plus win seasons. So when I looked at their line for their win total, their over-under over at FanDuel, and saw it was 8.5, my instinct was, oh, give me the under. It's the regression year. It's the bounce-back season. People who don't know what Louisville's done this offseason might think that way. Those people would be incorrect. Because Louisville has done a couple of really, really good things this offseason. First of all, Jeff Brom is still their head coach. He had a pretty good year. In fact, despite the Holiday Bowl loss to USC and the ACC championship game loss to a third-string quarterback in Florida State, that's a great year. That's that's a great year one. Ten and four, the final record for the Cardinals of uh, Louisville, formerly of the Big East, of course, once upon a time. R.I.P. At least in the football sense. Eight and a half is their win total on FanDuel. I like the over here. I don't necessarily like the over because I think Louisville is a team that I, I feel like has a great chance to get to the playoff. But if they kind of snuck and backdoored their way in, it wouldn't shock me. I don't know that they're getting there. 
I think they're getting over eight and a half wins, though, because Louisville has had, by all accounts, a fantastic offseason. So Brom, of course, sticks around. Then you think about, well, they, they, they lost players from last year. Well, every, everybody loses players every season, of course. How do you replace those players? I know with the number six ranked transfer portal class in all of college football, that that would be a pretty good way to do it. Can we agree? That's what Louisville has. Louisville. Louisville. Okay, I'm done saying Louisville because it's going to sound weird in my head and, you know, frankly, to my ears as well. But that's not something that you typically see. That's a fantastic 26. That's the number of transfers that Jeff Brom and his staff have brought there uh, to a, a school in the state of Kentucky. They've come from all over, by the way, to Louisville. Louisville, number six portal class in the country, 26 players total, 15 of them from power four schools, including three guys from Tennessee. You, you've got former four and five star recruits that are mixed in there. And by the way, they've brought in a quarterback who at the very least can give them what they had last year. Jack Plummer's stats a season ago, eh, yeah, he's fine. Kind of what he was at Cal and Purdue before that, he, he's fine. They bring in Tyler Shuck from Texas Tech. Did you know that before the Oregon game last year, in which Shuck struggled and had a couple of turnovers, Tyler Shuck was 8-0 as a starting quarterback in which he started and finished the game for the Red Raiders? This guy was a four-star recruit coming out of high school, one-time Oregon commit, transferred to Texas Tech. He has struggled to stay healthy. This, this is going to be the challenging element for Louisville. This, this is definitely something that matters a great deal and has been a consistent problem for Tyler Shuck and it's staying healthy. But if he is able to do that, do you know how old Tyler Shuck is? I'll give you a hint. Very. He backed up to begin his career for two seasons, Justin Herbert. Herbert just completed his fourth season in the NFL. He's He's been gone for a while. Tyler Shuck backed him up at Oregon, went to Texas Tech, now comes to Louisville. He's a seventh-year senior. So having a veteran quarterback is not going to be a problem. And at the very least, Shuck is capable of giving you what Jack Plummer gave you a season ago. I think he's got a higher ceiling. And Plummer was a veteran guy. But you can get more, certainly in the mobility department, out of Tyler Shuck than you can with Jack Plummer. So I think Jeff Brom and his staff are going to be able to do some more creative things, particularly in the quarterback run game, that can open up Louisville's offense a little bit more. They had a great defense a season ago. Their offense eh, came and went. They, they, had, they had a nasty defense, though. They, they had some dudes on that side of the ball. Remember that ACC championship game? Florida State wasn't moving the ball a whole heck of a lot. Why? <laughs> Louisville's defense kind of filthy. It was kind of, sort of filthy. And guess what? They've got all sorts of talent on that side of the ball. So those are a couple of the reasons why I like them over eight and a half wins. Not necessarily as a playoff team. Because if you're 10 and two and you don't win the ACC, you go 10 and three, you're not making the playoff. Not, not with an ACC schedule, but not with this schedule. But this is why. The win total is as high as it is because even though on the surface they could be poised for a, a, a regression year, They've loaded up in the portal. They've got the quarterback and the schedule. Mm. Boy, do I love this schedule. Listen to this. This is this is a doozy. They open with Austin P. Okay. 
that's that's a win. That's an FCS opponent. Then they play Jacksonville State. New to Conference USA, Rich Rodriguez, their head coach, but again, at home, should not be a problem. Then they have a bye before they host Georgia Tech. That Georgia Tech game could be sneaky tough. Georgia Tech, that's that's a bowl team. That is, Those are the bowl, bowl eligible Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets to you, or at least they were a season ago. Uh, then they have a tough game. They go at Notre Dame, but then uh, listen to their next three games. They host SMU, won't be a cakewalk, but that's at home. They go at Virginia. Who's got the more talented roster there? I'm going to go with Louisville. Then they come back home to play Miami. That's a talented roster. Cam Ward's at quarterback now for the Hurricanes and Mario Cristobal. A lot of pressure under Miami's head coach and that coaching staffer at large. And Louisville gets them at home. Oh, boy. SMU, sneaky tough, home. UVA, not as sneaky tough, road. Notre Dame on the road, that's difficult. That's difficult. Not an unwinnable game, but it's it's, it's hard to go into South Bend and come away a winner. I will grant you that. Then they have two consecutive road games. Three of their final four are on the road. This is where it gets tricky. But if Louisville can manage their road schedule, they could have a 10-2 regular season once again. This is entirely in the cards for Jeff Brom and company. Because after they host Miami... They go at Clemson. Tough game, but is this the Clemson of old? No, it certainly is not. They were 9-4 and four last year. It's the worst they've been under Dabo Sweeney in a very long time. Then they go at Stanford. Not a trip they're familiar with. They're going to play in the West Coast. You're not going to play in a super hostile environment. You could be playing a respectable team, but there are tougher games you could play on the road. Like, if you had to go at Miami, or if you had to go at SMU, or for instance, if you had to go at Pitt, which they don't because next week they're at home against Pitt, those would be tougher road games than going at Stanford. What could end up deciding whether they go over 8.5 or not? The rivalry game. The rivalry game to end the year. The in-state battle against Kentucky. That's tough. That's tough. Three of their final four on the road. But I'm just looking at that schedule and saying, you know what? Let's 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 put Notre Dame down as a loss. And and between between Clemson and and Miami, okay, let, let's let's have one of those be a loss because those are quality teams. Is it unreasonable to think that Louisville could win the rest of their games? I do not believe so, in any way, shape, or form. Coach, quarterback, roster, schedule, Louisville over eight and a half. Yeah, give me, give me that over every day of the week. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.